It's Lucy Litch, and this is Tiny House Conversations. It's the Australian-based podcast where I interview experienced tiny houses, tiny builders, and adventurers in the tiny world, so you can discover how to create, build, and transition into tiny life. Before we get into the show, I want to know something. Are you a tiny houser and would you like to share your tiny house story and experiences on the podcast? Or are you a business that has a product or service that aligns with the tiny house movement and would be beneficial for the tiny house community that you'd also like to share on the podcast? If so, I'd love to hear from you and you can head over to tinyhouseconversations.com and on there you'll see a section that says share your story. If you fill out your details there, I'll get back to you very soon. Now, here's the intro. Hey, it's Lucy here bringing you another episode of Tiny House Conversations. Today, I'm speaking with Kathy and Matt McMillan, who are experienced tiny houses from the mid-north coast of New South Wales, and who I actually had on the podcast back in episode nine. And in that episode, they shared some of their compost toilet experiences and... This is a common area of discussion in the tiny house world, and it's always great to hear real-life practical experiences from people using them in their everyday lives. And so I've asked them to come on the show today again to dive deeper into their own experiences because they've actually used two different types of compost toilets, and both of these toilets work quite differently. In this conversation, we also talk more about why Matt and Kathy chose a composting toilet over other toilet options in their tiny home their first composting toilet and why it didn't work for them, their current composting toilet, how it works and why it's a better option for them. We also talked all about emptying consumables and the smells of composting toilets, what they've learned and wish they knew before buying and using a composting toilet, and lots more. Now, on to the show with Kathy and Matt. Kathy and Matt, welcome back to Tiny House Conversations and thank you for being here again. Lucy, thanks for having us again. Hi, Lucy. Hi. (laughs) So last time I had you both on the show was episode number nine and you were talking all about your tiny house experiences and your journey. And, you know, in that episode, you shared a bit about your composting toilet experience. And I know that you've also done an extensive compost toilet review on your Instagram page, so a tiny life after all. And, you know, before we dive into today's show, if you haven't listened to episode number nine with Matt and Kathy yet, you can check it out at tinyhouseconversations.com forward slash 009. So Kathy and Matt, I'd love to know, first of all, just to begin, what were your main reasons for wanting to go with a composting toilet rather than using a standard flushing toilet or any other option for your tiny house? There's a number of different reasons. Um, first of all, probably practicality in terms of you're in a, a movable dwelling, so you want something that's going to be practical um, and self-contained and not necessarily there are tiny houses out there that do have flushing toilets that hook up to their host property's sewerage system Um, but we knew that we wouldn't be in a situation to do that plus um, flushing toilets are a waste of water Um, it's valuable resource going literally directly down the toilet so that's something we wanted to avoid I think we did a lot of research before going tiny and 
a compost toilet just makes sense from a sustainability point of view. Um, you're actually able to use a resource that, again, gets flushed down the toilet usually. So I think that that was a big reason for us. We, after doing a lot of research too, we, we settled on a system that uh, separates the urine and the solids. Again, there's a number of different reasons for doing that, but the main reason is that you can then, the solids can be composted and they're actually something that can be used on your fruit trees down the track. So that really appealed to us as well. Yeah, yeah, I can carry on that one. It's just practicality. Uh, we just didn't have access to sewage lines up here, so but that had an added benefit. We we always wanted to go down the compost toilet route anyway. Um, as, as Kath said, we can we can reuse the waste um, on the fruit trees after a year or so, and it do, it, it does just reduce your footprint of, of of how much you're actually dumping out into the into the world, and we can yeah save a lot of water. That was another key key factor is obviously we're on rain rainwater here and we don't want to waste uh, valuable drinking water just flushing flushing it down the toilet yeah it does seem to be the most sustainable option and also you know a multi-purpose option at that as well and you know you've had experience using two different composting toilets the first one uh you know didn't really work for you there were some mishaps that you had so um, you know, we don't need to mention any brand names or anything, but are you able to share how that one functioned and what wasn't working for you? Yeah, we won't mention the name of it, but we had a few issues. Um, we actually had, we were given two different types of compost toilets uh, with the house. Um, and the first one that we were thinking about putting in um, that the previous owner had was basically, uh, it's just like a big tub. Um, he, he cut a hole in the floor. It's a big tub at the bottom of it and everything went in that. And then there was kind of like a, a separate hose attachment um, that was supposed to divert the urine, or but it, it, it's still all mixed in one, um, which we don't quite understand how that would work. And apparently it was pretty bad. So we decided not to go with that one and we used the second option that we had and it was more of a self-contained um, Again, I won't mention the brand, but these are quite popular on boats and things like that. So it's made out of fiberglass. Um, there's, there's two separate containers. The solids has a, a, a turn handle that, that mixes it up. Um, and you're supposed to put core peat in there or, or you can put sawdust or things like that. Um, it's supposed to help dry out the waste. Um, but, but we found that that just just added to the complexity and another task you have to do um, when you change it over it could get a bit messy and fill up the space as well um, apart from the waste and then the second container was um, obviously the urine container which is it, it, it was what it is it's just a container that collects urine it's not much different than what we've got now but um it still didn't have it still wasn't very practical um i think kath might talk more about actually using it but you had to lift the lid. Obviously, urine can drip everywhere, and it just wasn't it wasn't as easy to use as as the the one we ended up um, purchasing, which is much better. Yeah, I'll just say with the brands that have the rotating arm in them, um, the idea behind those is it's meant to sort of mix in 
whatever bulking agent that you put in with the solids to, I guess, I don't really quite understand really uh, because they're not sitting there long enough for the rotation to actually assist the composting process at all. Um, and I think that that's what they're meant to do. But because the chamber is so small, you're emptying it like every week, week and a half anyway. Yeah. So there's no time for it to actually start composting. Like the system we've got now, the composting happens outside. The bucket that you've got actually just collects the waste and it, the composting actually happens in the large bins that we have outside that we rotate. Um, so to have a toilet with a rotating arm, mm. it just it doesn't make sense. Um, I think it's supposed to help with smell as well and aerate it, help dry it out. But, but it didn't. You, you don't want to. No, it didn't. And just flung stuff around <laughs> and made it so when you empty it, because you basically had to pull the whole toilet apart to empty the thing, it just yeah. made it a mess. <laughs> and and another key factor of any compost toilet is um, the extraction fan. Now, lots of different toilets have different systems. Probably talk about the one we've got now a bit later, but the the toilet that didn't work um the extraction fan was very simple it was just bolted onto the side and and basically the hose came out and then down through the floor now the actual fan assembly was it, it just wasn't built very well it was too small the seals deteriorated um there was no sort of filter so the the bulking agent and the waste inside could sometimes get up into the fan and block it and and stop it performing um, as well as it should, uh, which was a big issue. So every time, every, probably second time I'd, I'd changed out the chamber, um, I'd have to completely take off the whole fan assembly and it was just really difficult to get back on and, and I had to end up putting some sort of fly screen filter in front of it myself and it was just really messy and difficult. Um, to change over, and it, it'd take me ages. So every time we had to empty the the solids, it was just an absolute, yeah, chore. <laughs> oh wow! I'm wondering. So how long did you have that first compost toilet for? How long did you stick with it? Been probably Too long. <laughs> eight months, I think. <laughs> yeah. Like okay, that. so that's a pretty good um, run to give it a go. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think. We probably would have even replaced it sooner than that. It's just because we save up cash for everything um, that we've purchased. We don't have a credit card or anything like that. So we save and then buy. So it was a matter of prioritising things that we needed to get done before that. So it's like... And we'll we're probably hesitant as well because how much the good ones cost. Yeah. Um, everything, yeah, seems like it's around the $2,000 mark, <laughs> everything that we buy, but... That probably made us a little bit hesitant as well. Like, okay, we'll, we'll keep yeah. persisting with this. Can we try and make it better? Um, we didn't just want to go out and buy new things all the time. Um, but, yeah, one day I was just, I think I just changed it and the fan <laughs> completely just fell apart and I just had enough. <laughs> I got online and just bought it straight away. Oh, how funny. And uh, so I know that the one that you've changed over to now that it, you know, it's, you're finding it's working better for you. And, you know, I'd love to focus a bit more on that one now. So what brand is your current one and where did you buy it from and roughly for how much? Uh, the brand is the separate and... The, the tiny version. The model we have is the tiny. 
so they i think they just call it separate tiny and oh how much was it it was about well, it was almost two grand yeah yeah but the price has actually come down since we bought it um it's well last time i had a look it was about 1520 or something like yeah, that it was a couple hundred dollars cheaper actually i don't know why maybe there was more supply in the country but when i purchased it it was a there was a back order pretty much every little small business that i went and uh, did my research on they said yeah we're they're all waiting in containers in in china i think this is in the height of covid so yeah there was some delays on it but um it's yeah it's great it's a, a swedish company um swedish designed and just everything everything looks good it, it fits well um there's quality you can tell the quality of it it's just really designed really well like the fan assembly for instance is inside and it's inside its own casing and then it also has a filter that's really easy to change so when you empty it you, you don't go near the fan it's there but you, all you need to do is just unclick the filter and run it under the tap basically just to clear it out and i haven't really seen anything build up in the filter yet at all which is great and it just everything's just really easy to use and really well designed so we bought it from a business called a better way to go is that a name of the company yeah so they sell a whole range of different um, compost loos and stuff like that so and we we continue to buy all the consumables for the toilet through them as well so um and they're not cheap but you know they do last um you get these little what are they called the urinal cake things it's supposed to yeah you know, i don't know they're supposed to um decalcify the urine a bit i think so that doesn't clog things up because we've got the container but you can get a model that has um the hose that you could yeah could either go out through the floor or wall out into a externally into a larger container or a urine trench if you wanted to go that way yeah there's two different models there but we do buy the little urinal cakes the bags the compostable bags uh, we have tried to use others from bunnings but they're a bit thinner um and double bagging as well we've learnt to double bag because um, otherwise it can get a bit messy and there's also little absorption pads um, that you can buy and that you place once you change it and you put a fresh bag in you just put the put that at the bottom and it helps absorb any moisture in the bag and i think that's that's all we buy from them so we've already talked about like the fact that it's a separate separates the liquids and solids so it basically means that there's two chambers there's one in the front that collects urine and then the one in the back um, is for solids so might take a step back like to actually use the toilet it's very similar to using a standard toilet there's a little probably a bit more maneuvering involved particularly if you're female i think <laughs> it's probably designed more for a guy's anatomy um, in mind i think that there is probably a market for a toilet that's a bit better suited for women i think yeah. um but how they would actually do that i'm not sure but yeah it does mean that uh, i'm talking from my own experience here i need to sit a little bit further forward for number one so then have to sit a bit further <laughs> back for number two but yeah, if you're six foot two you're, you're fine just sit down and a guy <laughs> yeah but i mean it is it's generally pretty easy to use like when you sit down like the the 
chamber at the back opens automatically and it closes back up when you stand up. So that's pretty easy. Not as intimidating for guests to use either. Our previous toilet, you had to manually um, open the chamber and it, I don't know, it was probably a little bit more confronting than just being able to sit down and not have to see anything, if that makes sense. So I think for visitors, like it's probably a bit of a nicer experience because um, it's more like yeah. they'd expect from a um, sort of standard toilet. And it looks like a standard toilet. Like it, it looks good. Yeah, it does. Like if you had a brand new bathroom, it, it would look good in there. Yeah, definitely. I think it's it's well designed. looks very pretty. When the urine t- uh, container gets full, um, it's got a little sensor underneath and the, there's like a sign, little separate sign on top of the toilet and it's a red LED and that just turns on when it's time to change the chamber. Yeah, and, and uh, you, you can fit another, they, it says in the manual that you can fit another couple of wheeze in there, but I only go once, like I don't risk going more than that. Our previous toilet, we had two urine tanks so that when you change one over, like you can basically put one in straight away and that can make things a little bit more convenient. Um, I think if you've got more than two people living in the house or mm. if you've got guests, like it's a good idea to have that that second chamber so that you're not making people wait while you go wander down the bush and empty it out. <laughs> um, but for us, it's fine. Like it only takes five minutes to empty. So well, you can buy another chamber. Yeah, that's um, what I'm just yeah. yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, it is good. Like, we, we 80 bucks, isn't it? Yeah, we considered getting the second one, but just with the two of us, we don't really have guests over here very often at the moment. So, it's not as big a consideration. So, it's only when it's the middle of the night that the light goes on and then. <laughs> Do you risk it? Do you risk another one? <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yep. I, I'm wondering just. Um, you know, changing over from the initial toilet to the one that you have now, you know, what was the, was it fairly easy to to reinstall and all of that? Like, did you have to get a plumber or someone in to, to do that? No, I did it. It's pretty easy. Basically, the old one was just, um, there was a hole in the floor and it just sat on top of that and there was two, um, two stainless steel L-shaped hinges, basically, or brackets. So I just took them off and so we just left with a hole and we actually, we wanted to make it look a bit bit nicer. So we went to, to Bunnings, I think, and we found these treated sort of, I don't know if it's pine, but cedar or something, but it, it looks quite good, just these little pieces. Um, they're kind of like tabletops really. And um, we just, we put that over the hole and, and we cut one side of it so it sits up flush with the wall. And it just makes it look a little better, a bit better. And then we, we sat the, the new toilet on top of that. And I just basically glued that piece of wood on the, on the floor over the old hole. And I used, yeah, no, and I covered up the, there was, so there was two holes, a larger hole for the, the first toilet type of toilet that he had where he, he actually had to cut a hole in the floor. And then there was a second hole where the old fan assembly and the hose pipe actually went out. So this piece of wood that we put on the floor to cover both holes went over the top of that. And and then all I had to do is just basically, yeah, fix, just drill and fix the new one to that piece of wood. And um, I just made a really tiny hole up along the side of the skirting board in the floor um, just for the new toilet fan um, AC power cord. And that was about it. Oh, no, sorry. And a, a second hole 
for the for the new fan assembly. But the new toilet, the separate tiny, actually has it's all within the footprint of the toilet. So the 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 fan hose comes actually out directly down um, through the floor, and and so is the power cord. So and it hides. So once you put the toilet up against the wall, it actually hides everything. Um, so all you see is is basically underneath the the trailer, underneath the house. You just see the one. I think it's a thirty mil pipe and the power cord that's all you'll see something that people should consider when they're installing a toilet a composting toilet is that the extraction fan is extracting the air out and it has to go somewhere um when we first moved our tiny here and we had the previous toilet we just had the extraction fan going straight out underneath mm. the house and that basically means that that smell is all being extracted right in front of the house we pretty quickly installed some pipe that went straight up above the roof line so that's basically the air is all going up um, and hot air rises so it just goes straight up and it means that there's no smell um, directly yeah with the old toilet you're coming at the end of the week and the wind was just right <laughs> and you walked past um, yeah good luck to you but yeah, the new one's much better. Um, the fan's a lot stronger. It sucks a lot more air out, but it's a lot quieter. And and I've put the hose yeah underneath, so it's come out the floor under the 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 trailer, and then straight up closest wall, and all the way up to the roof. And on top of it, you've got like a little cap that basically stops anything crawling in, and also it's on its side, so and a bit of a cover, so the rain and water doesn't go in there. Um, but it, it, it works fine. They do recommend in the manual not to have the pipe work go any more than three metres. I'm a little bit over that, but it still seems to be working fine. It's, it's coming out of the top with no issues. So Yeah, we actually had someone ask when they saw photos um, why we had it going close to our bedroom loft window. Um, it actually extends beyond that. Yeah, it's but, Yeah, but part of the reason um, is what Matt said, is we, we didn't want to have the pipe any longer then is sort of ideal um, because you have issues that it's not pushing the air out um, and also you want to minimise how much horizontal pipe you've got because it's going around bends and it also makes the fan work a lot harder. So, yeah, I mean, people have seen photos. It probably looks like it's near our bedroom window, but it's not. There's probably the very rare occasion that we'll be sitting up there. It's so infrequent like that i will mention like sometimes you will get a little whiff of something Only up there. yeah because i climb out of the skylight onto the deck roof sometimes um to the clear gutters or or whatever and if you i get my head pretty close to it <laughs> so i have almost been knocked out <laughs> a couple of times but um but yeah with just lying in bed with the skylight open it's it's absolutely fine we i've maybe smelt it twice yeah that's what I'm saying. Like, so, months, so. so rare. Like, it just would be the wind going completely that way. So, yeah. <laughs> you can't be squeamish. Like, that's one thing important to note about compost toilets is you're going to see poo. You're going to see your partner's poo. You're going <laughs> to you're going to see wee every day or every second day. Like, it's you it just you just get used to it. If you've got a good toilet, like separate tiny, you know there is that disconnection there. You're not going to get it on you or anything like that. And there's only a brief second where you might see it or smell it when you're changing it over. But um, you can't be 
squeamish like it's this is nature it's it's part of it if you want to be sustainable and and save water like that's what you got to do yeah i love that you <laughs> i love that you mentioned that actually matt because i think that is that that reconnection with something that is so natural that we all do but we don't like to talk about and you know find it really strange or gross or you know just out of sight out of mind but dealing with it and having to and I, I guess appreciate you know this giving back to the earth and the and this regeneration of the soil and all of that it's part of it, it you know animals do it humans can do it if we deal with our our own waste in that way and so yeah i think um as you say it, it's probably something to get used to but also thinking of it in a deeper perspective it is that that connection to the everyday life and to nature as well and uh you know so many good in insights there from both of you two of just things that you learn along the way um including you know like having to to create the pipe for the the smell to maybe be diverted away from the home and up in the air rising and all of that. I mean, that's all really great stuff to, to learn as you go. And, you know, you mentioned before with the separate chambers and all of that, and I'm wondering what the emptying process is like and how often on average are you needing to do this with your current compost toilet? I take care of the liquids most of the time and that empties the solid chamber it just kind of worked out that way sometimes we do either but worked out. <laughs> I think it worked out in my favor <laughs> um, but I have to do it more often because the liquids chambers we probably have to empty it every day and a half to two days um, Matt does go outside quite a lot so you know the manual says that it should be emptied like two to three times a week full-time use for two adults but those people must be incredibly dehydrated if that's the case um, because you wear emptying it like every day and a half to two days and that's with Matt going outside. Um, with all the recent wet weather we had, Matt was going inside a lot more so we were emptying it daily um, easily. So I guess um, coming back to being a bit more connected to like nature and, and dealing with all of these natural processes, I think you become more aware of of your health like how hydrated you are or dehydrated like just kind of notice I think but having said that the the urine cakes that Matt was talking about the consumables that you pop in the toilet that they act as a they basically stop the salts from building up inside the tank they also neutralize the odor a lot so when I was emptying previous brand um tanks I would notice the smell, the ammonia smell was far stronger. So, yeah, highly recommended if anyone gets a separate tiny to get those urine cakes because they do their job and they are biodegradable. They're safe for the environment. And they last about a month, I think. Yeah, so they're not like, they're actually really worth it. Um, and I'll just come back to that too. I also noticed the previous toilet we had, it had like a transparent kind of tank. So we could see the crystals forming in that. Um, so, you know, that they are, they do form. And, and that was when we were using also we'd tip some vinegar down there, like that's recommended as a way to sort of stop the crystals from forming. So we were doing that, but the crystals were still forming. So I'm hoping that they're not, but that's something with the um, separate tiny uh, urine tank is that it's you can't see through it. Through it. There's, that's something I think could be an improvement, like some sort of window just so you can actually see if there's crystals forming in there. How often? Yeah, probably every day and a half, two days. 
sorry, yeah, just then the solid container will change that once a week. Okay. Yeah, again, the manual says every two weeks, um, full-time use for two adults, but I'd say, I mean, weekly. I don't know whether they consider full-time use, meaning that people are actually working outside of the home. Like, we are yeah. here full-time. Matt works from home full-time. Um, we yeah, are here. Factor, we yeah. don't go anywhere to do our biz anywhere else generally <laughs> so it really is full-time so I think if you're, you're working from home like a lot of people do now that's realistic um, what you can expect and as far as emptying the solids we've got um, big wheelie bins that we use as compost bins that we have a fair distance from the house um, and the idea is that they sit there for 12 months to compost before we can put them on our fruit trees it's not recommended to put them on your veggie garden. But, yeah, so we're almost coming up to 12 months now, so our first patch should be nearly ready. <laughs> be interesting Go on to then, see. have a look. <laughs> um, there is a lid, I should mention, with the separate tiny, there is a lid. So once you open up to empty it, you can put that lid straight on the um, the solids container. So that helps with, you know, smell if you're carrying it through the tiny or or whatever, you don't. You don't have to see it or smell it as you're changing it. Oh, I think it's far more hygienic to empty, like in terms of everything's like very, um, even the urine tank, like it's got the little caps, you've got little holders on top of the tank so yeah. you can unscrew them and then put them on the holder like you're not hanging you on You can tell it's very heat. Swedish, very yeah. Ikea, very practical. Um, all the handles, all the touch points are yellow as well. Yeah, and we make sure we wipe all that down, like when they're changed, like we really concentrate on touch points, which is, yeah, it's good that they've kind of colour-coded it. (laughs) You know, you both mentioned before about the consumables um, that you're purchasing each month or however long. I'm I'm wondering what are some of the ongoing costs or how much are you roughly spending on those each month? Probably. I actually did a breakdown of this in one of my posts. So the bags that we buy ends up being about $2, they're $23.50 for 20 bags and we now double bag and we've we've tried some other different brands, um, you know, compost bags from various other shops so they're they're nowhere near as durable. After having some pretty traumatic incidents with bags breaking and stuff, we now double bag them um it's not always necessary it kind of depends on moisture levels like the fan does a great job of drying everything out and the absorbent pad at the bottom yeah so it, it depends you know if it's like if stuff happens if you're you know have diarrhea and things like that like it, it moisture will make the bags deteriorate they are compostable that's the yeah. whole idea so we just tend to double bag now just to make sure and i only use the good tiny separate um, specific bag on the inside and then I'll just use a cheaper Bunnings one on the outside. Yeah, so so that works out two bags per week. We average empty on week, so that's $2.35 per week. Um, so the pads for the bottom of the bags, the absorber pads, they're $23.50 for a pack of 10. So, again, that's $2.35 a week. Um, and then urine cakes, they last about a month each. And so there's $24.00 for five cakes so it's a dollar 20 per week so all up it comes up to just under six dollars a week um, which for some people that may seem really expensive but the way i rationalize it is that 
that's an almond milk coffee. So um, we don't have coffees out very often. So $6 for the peace of mind of the bags not breaking every week and having to deal with that mess. And that's also, that's a hygiene thing. Like, you know, um, it's really important. The urine cakes, they neutralise the smell a lot. And I know that from the experience of not using them with the previous toilet. So it means that when I'm emptying the liquids, it's far more pleasant. Like it's not a pleasant experience, but, you know, it makes it so it's not quite so yuck. And, and if you've got one of those other toilets that uses like a bulking edge, you've got to spend money on that as well. Yeah, that's true. And then there's the potential ongoing maintenance of like what, what you were saying that about it actually getting caught in the fan. Like, because we actually replaced the fan in the previous yeah, toilet. About four times. Yeah. Because, yeah. And that was part of it. Was I mean, the they're only really getting... cheap from JCAR, but just a little sort of computer fan, really. But um, yeah, it adds up. Yeah. So, I mean, people could try different things like i mean we thought we'd try and save some money with buying cheaper bags and they're fine for the outside but yeah they're just not as durable um if we happen to see other bags out and about we will give them a try but i think it's reasonable six dollars a week comparing it to the previous experience of not having some of those products i think it's worth it yeah and i also think that i mean you mentioned you know one coffee uh, a day as well but then even thinking about it in terms of like just tiny life in general you know you are saving a lot more money than if you were to, to be living in a bigger home and um, having so many other expenses so if something is you know super important and aligns with your values like a composting toilet and then using these different types of consumable consumables that go along with it that it is money well spent and, and it is an investment and it yeah, as you say, you can cut out other things that may not be so necessary um, to afford these things that that are in alignment with how you want to live. And so, I think it's worth spending that little bit of extra money because it's we empty it weekly. So, I think the difference of paying maybe an extra dollar a week on sturdier bags is definitely worth it. It's just one of those things because. Because it's such a regular thing you're doing, I think it's worth spending that money just to make the process a bit easier. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, you mentioned one design improvement before, and I know that in your Instagram review series you talked, you had a bonus section where you talked about different design improvements that could make the the separate unit better from just from your experience. Um, can you share more about what some of those are? So I think one of the things we'd want to improve um, would be related to the um, solids chamber flap. I mentioned before that it basically is automatic. So when you sit down, it opens up and when you stand up, it closes, which is great, particularly for guests. It makes it a little bit less intimidating. Um, you don't have to explain that you need to open the toilet to, for number twos you and close it and so forth. But I think sometimes you want to be able to leave the flap open, um, like if you wanted to pop some more tissue in there or whatever, there might be something you need to clean or whatever, and you might want to be able to open it um, manually. There's no option to do that from the outside of the toilet. There is an option if you open the whole lid as if you were going to empty it, but that's not very convenient. Also, that would be a big thing. I have a sister who has got a disability and she actually found it easier to use a toilet that had a manual flap that opened up. Because there's a bit of 
particularly if you're female or you're short like I am, there can be a bit of wriggling around required to actually open that back flap. You have to sit all the way back. And if you've got a disability, that can be tricky. So being able to open it manually is actually something that would be a bit of an improvement, I think. Yeah. The pro of having it automatic, though, is I remember the previous toilet that had the manual flap. Sometimes you forget and it's too late. I never forgot. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's just a me problem. I never forgot. (laughs) I think I was paranoid. (laughs) But, yeah, I just think probably from that experience of, you know, my sister not being able to use it as easily because you can't have that assurance that yes it's definitely open because you do have to wriggle back a bit yeah. to make sure it's you open have probably all the way. slightly smaller toilets for females maybe that's a whole other yeah. design thing but yeah i think that would just make it a little bit easier um to be able to open it manually from the outside when required as an option here's another one the urine cake that we've talked about uh, quite a lot it sits in a little cage at the front so basically you wee on it so then it does its thing as it goes into the chamber when you open the toilet up to empty there's nothing to stop it from falling back and it falls backwards with a splat and it's gross so the way we've sort of um, overcome that problem is we've got a little bowl and a pair of tongs so when we're going to empty the toilet we take that urine cake out so design improvement, I think, would just that that be a little cage that opens and closes so that the tape can stay in there when you open the lid. It depends how slowly and how carefully you open the lid, though, because I've, mm-hmm. I haven't done it sometimes and it's been fine. Yeah, but that's it's. But wouldn't yeah, that be a yeah. simple thing, though? Yeah. Like just to have a cage that yeah. is enclosed. And I've had it actually, I've opened it. When You're right, when you open it, Slowly, it's not as likely to happen, but I've opened it quickly before and it's gone all the way back into the solids chamber. So, and I think I mentioned this before about um, not being able to actually see the, whether there's crystals forming in the urine chamber or not. You know, it's not a biggie. I'm hoping that the urine cakes are doing the job and there's no crystals forming in there, but I just know from the sort of semi-transparent tanks we had with the previous toilet, they form and they are... Gross. So when you think about if you did have a pipe yeah. going out to an external tank or into a urine yeah, trench, blockages, yeah. blockages, that's a massive thing. And that's a big reason why we also, we thought about having a urine trench or having the tank outside. Yeah. But that's a big thing that in our research, we heard a lot that there'd be blockages and then it'd all come back up. Yeah, it's something, it's an extra level of maintenance. Um, I think having the tank that you can take outside and empty i mean it's fine we live on a property so maybe if you don't live on a property it might be um a bit more tricky but we can empty wherever we like we just empty in different places every day so yeah i mean if you're yeah i mean if you could hook up to a sewage line that's ideal i wouldn't i recommend not doing a, a urine trench i've thought about it a fair bit you'd have to dig it very deep for it to not smell um, but even then, I think it would smell. And, yeah, and if you had blockages, then you'd have to dig all that up and either replace a pipe or flush it out. It'd be very difficult to manage, I think, any sort of urine trench or anything like that, or even a container externally. Um, it'd be difficult once you get to a certain size, like how you're going to move it around. 
yeah, I think the small container is ideal for a tiny, especially if you've got just a couple of people living yeah, in the house. Yeah, I think it's just a couple, definitely, and keep it simple, like as little maintenance as possible. Just keep it, yeah, really simple. For sure. And I'd love to know as well, what's one thing that, you know, you both wish you knew before you started using a composting toilet, if anything? Something that I guess we learnt, like doing the research and everybody does this when they're thinking about going tiny, toilets is always something that people research to like the nth degree. It's like it's something people worry about because most of us have grown up using flush toilets and that's what we expect and we, we have this expectation that it's going to be either similar experience or it's going to be like terrible, like absolutely awful, can't even wrap your hand, head around it. Um, I mean, I grew up here and I had friends who had drop toilets and stuff like that um, growing up. And, like, I mean, everyone's had experiences of, you know, going to the National Park and there's drop toilets. And that, that's probably what you have in mind, like, when you think composting toilet. But it's it's not, like, um, it can be, but it's not necessarily, like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think probably what we've learnt is... When watching YouTube videos and stuff, like it's something that people talk about, but they kind of gloss over the realities a little bit and make it a little bit rosier than it is. And I say rosier because I talk about poo not smelling like roses in posts and stuff. There is a bit of smell. There are people who are saying that there's absolutely no smell at all, like that really irks me because there is a bit of smell. I'm not saying it smells terrible all the time but there is when you get towards the end of the week especially in summer i think <laughs> it gets a little bit whiffy because it is it is literally like a bucket of poo sitting there there's a fan that's drawing it out and the flap closes and i will say this like when you you do make a deposit it and you stand up like it doesn't the smell doesn't linger in the bathroom it does the Not same like way. no and i think that's because it's Contained, like the contained lid. Contained in the fan, working constantly. Yeah. yeah, but I think you hear people again and again, it's like saying it doesn't smell at all. Mm. Like, it's not true. It's a toilet. All, all toilets yeah. smell at, at some, you know, at some point they do. At some point, yeah. Yeah, so I'm not saying our toilet smells disgusting all the time and it's unbearable. Like, it's just a little bit. It's just that everybody says that it doesn't smell at all. It drives me crazy. <laughs> I think also our experience is based on having used a toilet that didn't, like of this brand, is using one that didn't work for us, that was really bad, that smelt really bad, like a lot of the time um, because the fan wasn't powerful enough and there was a whole heap of other issues. I think your expectations um, need to be realistic. Like it's not exactly the same. It's not going to be as convenient as a flush loo like it's not you flush and forget about it it's like yeah you're gonna have to deal with it at some point (laughs) um i don't know like but i think it like we've said before like living tiny makes you more connected to everything that you do in your life and it makes you more aware of what you used to flush down the toilet and just forget about like And it's to do with all your waste. Like it just makes you more conscious of everything 
that you do. Absolutely. It makes you more conscious of the the impact that you have that we aren't used to dealing with if we have been living in this, uh, I guess, modern way of life for, for such a long time. And, you know, as we wrap up the conversation today, Matt and Kathy, I'm wondering, is there anything else that you feel like we haven't covered that might be important for our listeners to hear around cost- composting toilets? Depends how gross you want to go. <laughs> Keep, um, keeping it real. I think, uh, yeah, keeping <laughs> it real. Um, I think for women, I know that a lot of women commented on some of the posts that I pulled up on Instagram as things that they worry about um, as far as period blood. Um, mm. Where does that go and how do you deal with that? Um, basically, it can go in either chamber. I see it as a liquid, so I try to go for the front. It can be messy. I'll be honest, like it can be difficult. I just swear and deal with it. Like that's just something I think that women might need to prepare themselves for a little bit and keeping in mind that I think all the toilets on the market at the moment probably don't take that into consideration probably quite as much as they maybe should. And and it's a difficult thing because I've tried to think about how the design would work to better accommodate women's needs um, in that regard. And it's a tricky one just because of anatomy and, you know, how we probably use the loo a bit differently than the guys do. That's just something. I'm happy people want to DM me about stuff and I've had people DM me asking questions and um, I will be very honest about that sort of stuff, um, how you deal with it. It's just something to raise, but probably don't want to end the conversation on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I am glad that you brought that up because uh, most of my listeners are women and I think it is an important question to uh, at least address. And then, yeah, I mean, if you're if you're happy for people to, to ask more questions, that, that's awesome because it was something that I, I've also wondered as well. And I know that you did cover it a little bit in your Instagram series. So, yeah, that's totally fine. And maybe to, to wrap up the conversation, I know that in our last episode together, Kathy, you talked about how you're writing a, a tiny house book. Do you want to share a bit more about that again here for everyone listening today? Yep, sure. So the book's going to be about our process of going tiny. So it's not going to be like everybody's um, journey as far as some people build tiny houses and might be interested in that. We actually purchased our second hand. Um, so I'll be talking about that as opposed to actually building one. But I kind of go right from the very beginning of when we started thinking about going tiny, how we started re-looking at our finances and how we were going to make that happen, um, talking about paying off all your debt first, which I think is massively important before going tiny because if you've got debt, um, it can make it very difficult. So it's going all the way back to the initial thought processes and the why behind going tiny right through to like setting up our tiny here um where we're at now so yeah it's a work in progress (laughs) amazing and and if anyone wants to come and check you out online and follow what you're doing and your tiny adventures where can people find you guys again so we are on instagram and our account is a tiny life after all 
Beautiful. I will put everything in the show notes as usual at tinyhouseconversations.com. And, you know, Matt and Kathy, thank you so much again for your time today and for sharing all your experiences about your composting toilets and everything that goes along with it. And if you're listening to us this episode, thank you for taking the time to hang out with us. If you want more Tiny House Conversations, stay tuned for episodes every Thursday and we'll see you next time. Thanks again for listening. And if you enjoyed the conversation today, you found it valuable and you want to support the podcast, the best way you can do that is to share the love. That way I can keep bringing you more tiny house conversations to help you on your own tiny journey. So here are three ways that you can support the podcast. Number one, if you have a friend or family member that you feel would benefit from hearing these conversations, feel free to share it with them, email them, text them, send them a telegram, do whatever you need to do to share it with them. Number two, if you hit the subscribe button, you'll know exactly when the next episode is live. And number three, if you head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to podcasts and leave a five-star rating and review. Thank you so much in advance. I appreciate you and I'll see you in the next episode.